This is Picture to Fix It. Hello and welcome to Cinema 7. Today we are doing a special edition of Pitch It or Fix It in which we are going to fix Spider-Man 3. I am Chris Hawk. I am your host. To the left of me, virtually, is John Kenoki. I'm to the left, yes. And to the right of me, virtually, is Mara Bakari. Yes, I'm virtually to the right, but my mic is uh, physically to the left of me. But to the right of us all is Chris Poole from Fireside Comics. That's right. Chris Poole from Fireside Comics is here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's really good to be here. It's a pleasure to be here, actually. Uh, We've been Twitter buddies for some time now, your podcast and ours, and it's really great to finally be able to work together or collaborate, so to speak. So, yeah, thanks to you and your listeners for having me. Uh, It's going to be a really great time. Chris, would you give us a moment to... Tell us about Fireside Comics before you do your Spider-Man 3 pitch. And, of course, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about me and the podcast that I'm from. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm the host of Fireside Comics. This is a show that I started about a year ago with my good friend Austin, and it has been just a blast ever since we started it. Uh, we We have the best of times on this show, and we recently recruited our friend Bruce into the fold. Shout so out to Bruce. Uh, between the three of us, we've got a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, things to say and bring to the table as far as all kinds of discussions. Um, we talk about a huge amount of topics, focusing primarily, I would say, on comics and comic-related media. But we recently started branching out into other things. Uh, For example, we did a show recently on Neil Gaiman's book, American Gods, which has just become a Showtime television show. Uh, So we do a little bit of everything, but some examples of our shows, we do some profile episodes. Um, In these, we discuss specific characters, whether it's in the comics or whatever origin format they're from. So for example, our most recent profile episode covered Wonder Woman, and in it, we talk all about her creation, her history in the comics, uh, you know, what she has inspired in our culture around the world, what she stands for, what she, what she can do, good stories that she's in. So that's what our profile episodes are about. We've got showcase episodes where we talk about specific titles and uh, we talk about, again, their creation and what they mean and what they're about when they were made, who wrote them, that kind of stuff. So we've done showcase episodes on titles like Neil Gaiman's American Gods. We've got one coming up soon on his uh, his comic book, so The Sandman. We've covered Why the Last Man. We've covered Kingsman, Thor the God Butcher. You know, various titles. Usually, the purpose of the showcase episode is to bring to light something that our viewers may not have heard of, but that we think is a really good read. The last kind of episodes that we do primarily is reviews. This could be a TV adaptation of a comic book. It could be a film adaptation of a comic book. Our most recent was the Wonder Woman film, uh, where we talk about what we liked about it as far as writing, acting, the cast in general, uh, the production of it, all these things. And we cover this in a non-spoiler sense. Uh, And then in the latter half of the episode, we get into the nitty-gritty of the details and get into all those spoilers. Um, the last thing I want to mention about our show is that at the end of the, all the episodes, we have a really great, in my opinion, a fantastic segment that we call Goldblum's Rumors. I absolutely love the name of that, Goldblum's Rumors. 
we discuss our thoughts and our opinions about where certain stories are going. This could be anything from the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, it could be where Star Wars is going in the next episode. You know, it's it's anything. Any, it's all up for grabs. So I do want to mention real quick that at Fireside Comics, we are we are definitely labeled as explicit. <laughs> So just a forewarning, <laughs> if anybody goes to listen to our episodes, they're great stuff. You should totally check them out. You're going to love it. But we do use profanity, and we sometimes uh, we sometimes uh, take some jokes to some places that are quite hilarious. But, uh, you know, like I said, we use profanity, and I'll, you know, we, we speak like adults quite often. So um, it, in light of this fact, coming here and speaking on Cinema 7 today, uh, I didn't want to bring too much of that uh, vulgarity along with me. So despite the fact that I may not be able to control what I say sometimes, I do have this little device that I brought with me. And what this does is it basically censors me. So have no fear, anyone out there who's listening, uh, if you don't like dirty or bad words, uh, you will not hear them this evening from me because I have my little sensor box. So, uh, yeah, just be aware if you hear some strange noises over me speaking. That's that's for your own protection. <laughs> All right. So we do a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of fun. So just that's enough about the podcast. You guys are tired of hearing about that stuff. John, do you want to give a little brief synopsis of what a fix-it is? Yeah, so a fix-it, what we're doing here is, uh, specifically with this episode, you have one movie to fix, but this movie is set in a series of movies. So for Spider-Man 3, the rules are, you can't recast any characters previously cast. So if a character existed in a prior movie, you cannot recast them, you must use that actor. You can remove characters, you can have them not come back for specific reasons. Uh, if you want to explain that, you can. Or if they're just mysteriously vanished, that happens sometimes too. Uh, you can't retcon anything that happened in Spider-Man 1 or 2, any previous movies, unless you do it in the movie. So if you explain it in the movie why something didn't happen, and, you know, we get that, that's doable. Uh, you can fix it in the movie. But we and can you could, replace... You can, add your, you can add your own stuff and all that jazz. Yes, you can always add anything to the movie, take away things from the movie. You can keep stuff in the movie that was actually there that you liked. It's whatever you want to do that would have been better than Spider-Man 3 because everybody says it was bad. But I can physically uh, replace characters in this specific movie. As long as we see them get replaced in the movie, then yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So yes. what about movies that are characters that were in this movie? Yes, you can replace them. They so were in I, this movie, yeah. so you're redoing the entire movie. That is so. If I had a movie in which Tobey Maguire Spider-Man get hit by a kiddo ray and he turns into Tom Holland, I could do that. Uh, technically, <laughs> I suppose you could, but you have to consider how old Tom Holland is at this point in time. Yeah, 2007. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, 17 or no seven? I mean. He'd, I think he'd be 11. He's 21 now. This was 10 years ago. So, I don't know about you guys. I know Chris Hawk, your host, but I think that Chris Poole should go first. He's our guest on this episode. Uh, so, Chris Poole, if you want to talk some Spider-Man 3, go ahead. 
So you asked me, you wanted to know what I would have changed or what I think could have been done differently to fix Spider-Man 3. I just got to throw this out there. I know this is what everybody already knows, but that's a real tough, that's a real tall order, basically. Uh, there were there were so many problems with this movie. I know I'm only here for a limited time, so I'll get to the highlights. Um, I want to point out the the obvious problems that everybody is aware of, all right? Just for fun, all right? So you got studio interference with the story, which I guess maybe not everybody knows of, but there was some pretty heavy studio interference with the production of this film compared especially with the first two in the franchise. Everybody knows there were too many villains. Everybody knows that Venom was just bad. Everything about Venom. And, of course, gotta mention it, don't really think I need to dive into it too much, but Emo Parker. Emo Spidey was just... That was bad. I remember when that happened, the first time I saw this, way back in the day, and it was in the theater, and as soon as that happened, I just remember me and everybody around me was like, are you serious? <laughs> uh, so anyway, those are the obvious problems. Those are the ones that stand out that everybody is always bringing up first. But let's get into some of the, the details and flesh those out a little bit more in ways that I think could have made this film better. Um, I don't know about on its own, but as a closer to the trilogy. So first off, my number one fix would have to be the conflict between Peter and MJ. It was, I feel like a lot of people might disagree with me on this, but I feel like it was too late to do that kind of a conflict between them. In my opinion, that's second film material specifically also because in my mind they kind of did this conflict already in the second film, which I'll get on more on that in a second. But, uh, you know, Peter's attitude, once he had the symbiote bonded with him, it made sense with the situation, but I think overall the situation just felt forced. Um, and that, that goes with what I was just saying, where it, it was like they had done this before. They had sort of treaded this ground, but used a different path, so to speak. And I feel like, like I said, people may disagree with me on this. Um, whatever. I don't give a shit. My opinions. They are mine to have and to own and to love. So, basically, it was like... <sighs> the second film, the conflict was, he was losing. He was becoming estranged from the people closest to him the people that he wanted in his life because he was having the struggle of balancing his superhero life and his go to college, be a normal person life. And it worked great because that wasn't really a part of the first movie. It was, it was fresh in the franchise. It was good. And it made sense with everything that was going on. And they, they expanded on that with the whole plot of Mary Jane becoming engaged to a completely different guy, you know, it's just like she even made attempts early on in the film before the engagement even really got revealed or like was, was put out there in the forefront of the film. She made attempts to try to get Peter to open up about how he felt to her. And he was pushing her away because he felt it would keep her safe and all this, you know, the usual stuff. It all makes sense. It was, it was like I said, it was good in Spider-Man 2. But then you get to Spider-Man 3, and it's basically the same thing. 
just handled differently. It's like now he's got this symbiote. He's all emo. He's got these emotions, bro. And he's just being stupid about everything. And he's pushing her away yet again, but doing it like a dick this time, like an actual dick. And it just basically, I don't know, just the whole thing, it just felt overdone and it felt like it was unneeded in the third film of a trilogy, you know? It was like, like I said, they'd already done it. I'm sorry. That's about all I can say on that. Uh, but but branching off from that, I think that Gwen Stacy should have never been in the film. It wasn't that she was bad or, you know, I think it was Bryce Dallas Howard that was Gwen Stacy. Um, it's not like she did a bad job or whatever. I mean, the character, it was pointless to call her Gwen Stacy because they didn't use her at all like they did in the comics. And, you know, I'm all for doing a little bit of tweaks here and there to the story to add it, to adapt something to a film or TV. But it was just like, why even call her Gwen Stacy? It, she was there just as a tool for Peter to try to, you know, get at Mary Jane in a kind of like, ha look at me, look what you're, you don't have right now kind of thing. And just that whole emo deal, ugh. But basically, I think that she should have not been in there. I think what would have worked way better is if she had been there in two or a similar character, like I said, with a different name because it didn't really matter that she was Gwen Stacy. Have a character like that be in the second film when he's becoming estranged and he's losing those connections to the people that he loves and he's trying to find that balance between both of his lives but have him go about it in a way where he's just not thinking clearly because of all that he's trying to juggle. And so he's trying to get Mary Jane's attention by dating this other girl. And, you know, she could serve the same purpose. She's still there as a tool that Peter is using to try and get Mary Jane's attention, still being used poorly, by the way, no matter which one of these scenarios you go with. Uh, but, you know, it would be like that exact same scenario fit in with the same type of situation that had already been done in the previous film. Uh, but it would have fit with that because it would have been like, dude, Peter, what are you doing, man? Why are you doing this instead of just trying to work on that balance or just saying, you know what, Mary Jane, it's all about you. You know that I think that would have been better than anything they did with Gwen Stacy in the third movie. My third fix. And yes, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know if I mentioned it. The Gwen Stacy was my second fix. Third fix. Everyone knows that Venom was handled super poorly. Uh, what everyone may not know is that this was because of studio interference. They basically shoehorned him in there. They were like, Venom, 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 put him in the f***ing movie. And we all know how that turned out. Uh, all I'm going to say on it is just I'm going to sum it up for those who may not realize how stupid as Venom was in this film. All right? A meteor with a malevolent alien symbiote conveniently lands right next to the only goddamn superhero in the world who conveniently doesn't pick up anything with his spider sense. And then it bonds with the worst portrayal of Eddie Brock possible in response to being given the cold shoulder by Spidey. Stupid. Sandman is my fix number three. He should have been the main villain, and Harry should have been pulling the strings as opposed to becoming the green, the green Goblin, like as opposed to donning the suit and flying around in the glider and all that bullshit. I think that that would have worked out 
much better. Much, much better. Like, maybe Harry had already been exposed to the gas and we didn't see it. And he had already started to go mad and it just sent him over the edge when he found out that Peter was Spider-Man, right? And so he goes mad and using the resources and the same stuff that his dad was doing, he's trying to find a way to create some kind of a super soldier that can destroy Spider-Man. But he knows what happened to his dad. So even though he's going crazy too, he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that and put myself in harm's way. So maybe they could have had it where he somehow was the cause of Sandman gaining his powers and all that stuff. Um, you know, I don't know, just something like that. It just, I think it would have been a lot cooler if instead of going full on Green Goblin, he was just the guy in the suit who was bat crazy pulling the strings behind everything. I think that would have been way better. I mean, obviously they had to use Harry Osborn in some capacity, like similar to what they did. Because it's the third movie in a trilogy, right? You gotta wrap it back up to that original arc. That's that's how it always goes in the trilogies. Uh, you know, it's it's done all the time. It's just it's just how things are done. So, I think that would have been way better. But I just felt that the way it was done, his turn and his change just felt a little off-putting at times. It felt a lot off-putting a lot of times. <laughs> Sandman, though, I thought was, it's, I just feel like they did a disservice to not only the character from the comics, but the character just as a character. Like, he just, he was, I don't know, I, I can't get into it too much. I don't want to take up too much time, but I don't know. I just thought that he should have been the main villain, like I said. But this gets into, this is a great segue into my, my fourth fix, which is a super nitpick. This is like a major nitpick to the nth degree. But I always had a problem with the fact that outside of Norman Osborn, every single villain in the first Spider-Man trilogy, uh, you know, even the first Amazing Spider-Man film, all the way up through that one, every single villain outside of Norman Osborn was a good guy given a shitty hand who goes bad long enough for a conflict and then sees the error of their ways before either sacrificing themselves to save the day or floating off into the goddamn sunset. And Vin no, Venom and Eddie don't even count because them. All right? <laughs> we, we've covered this. Um, you know, I was just kind of over that after Doc Ock in the second film sacrificed himself to save the day. It was just like, okay, all right, I guess that made sense, but let's let's get a villain in the next film that just goes all out and like you gotta kill him to end everything, you know. So, it's, like I said, super nitpick, huge super nitpick. Uh, but th those are my main points for the fixes, the things that I would have liked to see done differently. Just some thoughts on how I would have done them differently. But what do I know? I'm not a filmmaker, right? Last thing before I go, I just wanted to say one more thing about the show that I'm from, Fireside Comics. We can be streamed on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and supposedly Google Play. I don't think we work on the iPhone app, but that's all I've got to check with, so I'm not really sure. Uh, if you find us on there, let us know. That'd be awesome. But you can follow us uh, on any of those. Subscribe for weekly episodes. Um, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Fireside Comics to hear our random thoughts and raves about certain topics as well as news bits whenever they're available. Uh, you can also get updates on what kind of episodes are coming, links to new episodes, uh, reminders to subscribe, 
updates on new topics we're going to discuss and delays that might be happening and releasing episodes, just everything. Um, so just as a last reminder, we talk about all kinds of topics on Fireside Comics and are always looking to expand our reach. So whether you're looking for in-depth discussions and ideas on your favorite stories or films, we are your one-stop solution for discussions from panels to the screen and all the good shit in between. That's all I got. Thanks again to my good friends at Cinema 7. Thanks to you, the Cinema 7 listeners. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to working with you guys again. So, thanks. So, uh, that, was, uh, that was Chris Poole's uh, fix-it for uh, Spider-Man 3. Uh, now, uh, Chris Poole was limited on time, so he had to uh, dip out. Um, but we appreciate him uh, being on the podcast, and uh, I hate to take the host liberties away from Chris Hawk again. But, uh, you know, Chris Hawk's a silly goose. Um, but I'm going to pass it back to Chris Hawk so he can give his pitch of fix it. Or, yeah, his fix it for Spider-Man 3. And uh, we'll move right along with uh, the, the, the rest of ours. But uh, thank you again, Chris Poole. Um, hopefully we can uh, work together again, like you said. Are you guys ready for the, my Spider-Man 3 fix it? Set so, the scene. All right, so the scene is we're going to couple things I wanted to do the themes of Spider-Man. I, I enjoy mostly the Spider-Man comics. And so having just reread the synopsis of Spider-Man 2 made me want to leap off of that and just go as high as I could. I don't, I don't like really the back and forth between MJ and Peter. I have never liked that in the comics or the movies. Spider-Man 1, 2, or 3, they do that a lot until you know, they finally get engaged. I have a question though. What about the back and forth between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker in Amazing Spider-Man? Or is that yeah, how irrelevant? do you feel about this? That's irrelevant because uh, we'll come back even, to that. We'll, we'll not even talk about that. So three main themes I want to talk about in this movie are MJ versus Spider-Man versus Peter Parker and how they distribute and how Peter distributes his time between Spider-Man and MJ. It's a classic trope in the Spider-Man comics, and sometimes they do it how MJ is. She knows that he has this responsibility that has to take care of. And sometimes they do the opposite when she's kind of selfish. I mean, she's a normal human, so she doesn't want to share her time between Spider-Man and Peter Parker. So that's a theme I want to establish. Spider-Man versus the New York City. That's a, I think New York City is a character in itself for the Spider-Man comics. So I like the fact that sometimes New York will be against him or for him. And I think that really adds to the character and the movies. Because in the movies, you see that Sam Raimi actually characterizes New York City through J. Jonah Jameson, through the Daily Bugle, through the, um, the city, like the characters of the random characters of the city. You see that they're on his side or against yeah, his he, side. He does it in one and two, I think. And then finally, I want to deal with Spider-Man's crushing consciousness about responsibility. It's, it's pretty crazy how, how he takes to heart the great power, great responsibility, and how sometimes he uses it as a crutch also because he doesn't want anyone to get hurt, so he has to do everything himself. It's like a lone wolf type responsibility character trait that he has. And that's kind of the character trait he has in the movies. Necessarily in the comics, he's grown over that. But in these movies, he kind of does everything alone. So I wanted, to, I wanted to establish that as a theme and how he grows to overcome it. So um, I added a ton of characters. I got rid of Sandman and I got rid of Venom in my movie. So it's a completely okay. it's a completely different movie. 
Uh, Harry Osborn as James Franco. He's actually a main villain character in my movie. I want James Franco. He needs to own this movie. He needs to. We've seen scary James Franco, you know, like in, he's kind of off the wall kilter in Spring Breakers. He's kind of. I'm trying to think of a serious movie he's been in, and it's very hard because I don't. 127 hours. That's right. And he needs to go. He needs to shave his like um. Not shave his head, but he needs to buzz cut his head to make himself look like the unhinged Harry Osborn in the comics. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to start with uh, Harry Osborn, and it's going to be in this very metallic room with five guys sitting around the chairs. Now, these guys look like regular, regular Joes. Some of them are huge, some of them are small, some of them look kind of geeky. When, when, he, when he starts spouting out the names, pe- some fans are going to get the names of these characters. You have Quentin Beck, you have Craven, you have, um, you have some Russian guys, you have... Um, They'll know when, they, when the fans will know when you Russian say... Russian guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, They're you'll like, know oh. because I'm introducing the Sinister, Sti- the Sinister Sticks, Six right off the back. And this is a different Sinister Sticks because it has the Green Goblin and Scorpion and Scorpion is not really part of the Sinister, like the OG Sinister Six, but I'm, I'm using, we can't use Doc Ock, Doc Ock is dead, and I didn't feel like using the Shocker, because I don't, I like the Shocker, but he's not as prolific as these other characters, so around the room you see Zachary Quinto is Mysterio, there's even, like, fan-based people love Zachary Quinto as Mysterio, so I was looking up what uh, Quentin Beck actually looks like, I was like, Zachary Quinto looks just like him. The dark-haired version, anyway. Because there's a blonde-haired version of uh, Mysterio. There's uh, Craven the Hunter is going to be in there. People love Craven the Hunter. And I, I'm a big fan of Craven the Hunter also. So I was like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, can bring out the gravitas that Craven, that Craven has. Uh, for Ooh, Electro, I, I, like, I like that. Uh, for Electro, I'm actually going to cast Jamie Foxx as Electro. I actually think he did a great job in Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I think you do need some color to this movie. So I'm adding a POC, Jamie Foxx. And I think, I mean, I'm not adding him just for the color, but I think Jamie Foxx did a wonderful job as Electro where he starts off timid and then he understands how much powerful he is. And he used, like, he has like a God complex by the end. Well, not really a God complex. He just knows how hot his shit is. If you understand what I'm saying. Like, how like hot he, his doo-doo <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Like he knows he's, 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 he's pretty badass. And so we get to Dolph Lundgren, who I picked for the Rhino. Um, it might be like a typecast type of thing, but I, I couldn't think of another <laughs> Russian, Russian actor who could pull off a, <laughs> a rhino because Dolph Lundgren is almost, he's what, six, seven, he's huge. And I think he could, I think he really could pull off the rhino. Okay. So, so <laughs> is he going to be in a clay outfit where we just see his face? Because <laughs> well, I'm picturing it, Dolph Lundgren in like a, in like a gray outfit with like the horn, like the typical rhino thing, where you just see the, the the square cutout of his face. I'm not I'm not involved with the costumes for this movie. <laughs> I'm just writing the story, okay? Okay. And so we have the last guy, John Cena, who's playing the Scorpion. I think, in the, <laughs> and I think it it fits because uh, the Scorpion he's he's very unhinged. Also, he's not very normal, and I think John Cena could pull that off very easily as like a roided out character. He, he, he has some ties to J. Jonah Jameson, which I'm going to bring up in a couple seconds, but John Cena is going to be this, he's kind of, he's kind of ridiculous. He's kind, he like, he has like a, like, um, 
him and Dolph Lundgren are good friends, and that's they're like the uh, bulk and skull of the Sinister Six. Like they're 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 both the heavy hitters, so they're gonna have like this dynamic between the two. They're gonna they're gonna they're just gonna be great. Do, uh, can you see Joff, John Cena and Dolph Lundgren being best friends? Because I can. I can see this happening. I I, I can see them being related. I, I mean, John Cena doing a fake Russian accent. Why not? Or just they're a part of the Russian mob. But uh. The, the person that's in this meeting that's coordinating this meeting is James Franco. James Franco is now head of Oscorp. He has all this money and resources now, and he's using, he wants to use it to destroy Spider-Man. He still holds the grudge at the end of Spider-Man 2, even though he gave away Doc Ock's position. So he's, he's still harboring this hate. And it's, it's a weird hate because it's, it's really not Spider-Man's fault that Green Goblin's dead, but it doesn't matter because he's already taken the Goblin formula, and you can't think rationally on the Goblin formula. It's already taken over his, his uh, thinking. It's already taken over his mind. And we're going to show a lot of parts of that that show that he is not 100%. Like, he's almost, he's almost schizo, but, like, we can have flashbacks of William Dafoe in it, like, taken over That'd his mind, cool. just like in Spider- I think it's in Spider-Man 3. It, he kind of happens like that, right? Yeah, he um, Get he the hears voice, his right? yeah, he hears his voice, and then he has flashes of, uh, him and what happened, and him and his dad yelling at him in the mirror, and then he sees him. He's a, 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 I think he says something to him, and he remembers. So I, I I want that. I want I want Harry. I don't. I like. I do like the redemption arc of Harry Osborn in Spider Man Three, but at the same time, I think Green Goblin is the epitome of vin- a villain for spider-man 3 i think you need to keep that so we you already skip a movie of goblin because you got doc ock in the middle so i want green goblin to come back so it completes the arc of the spider-man trio so in this meeting he's like i want spider-man dead i want his, i want his life destroyed i want everything bad to happen to him and everyone he loves i want i just want him done so he's going to pay them a lot of money we're going to outfit you with the best Oscorp, like, military-like um, exosuit materials and money and resources that we can do to beat Spider-Man. Because I can't just all give you all the goblin formula and just have a bunch of goblins. He's going to give you all different types of materials to beat him. And some of them already have powers like, um, like Electro. So he's, they're like, I'm going to amplify your powers. For uh, the big strong guys, I'm going to make you stronger. For Craven, we're going to make your senses even more crazier and for Mysterio we're going to give you some some crazy stuff that you can do with illusions and messing with people's minds and digital effects that can change what happens on live tv and stuff like that so that's that's how the movie starts off it starts off with that so you get a feeling of what's going to happen in this movie and then it it flips to Peter Parker Peter Parker is doing his thing and this you see it he's in a lab and he's he's doing some science stuff like he's he's dealing with energy and physics and this energy transference I don't John, I think you, you remember in Mass Effect 2 where in order to talk with someone on the other side of the universe, you had, uh, it was during, um, there's these two particles, and you hit these two particles with a certain charge, and you can, you can talk to each other instantly. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about. I don't know what I, they called I forget, it. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but that's the type of technology that Peter's working on. Like, in, instead of frequency, like, it, instead of traveling messages to each other instantly, it's He's trying to transfer energy to each other instantly from two different places, like a transference of energy. And it, I, he's, I, I can see that because 
uh, going off of what they did in the second one with the with the sun, the power of the sun, and um, them trying to control that energy and and you know him maybe trying to perfect it because he I, he kind of did help uh, Doc Ock figure that out because Spider Man I don't I honestly truly don't know what his major is it's like biology physics uh, engineering so I, I'm trying to think of like a mixture of all three and like something to do with energy and transference. And uh, why uh, wireless frequencies and stuff like that? Because like in, the, in my movie, I'm gonna establish that he's made the spider tracers in which he can trace villains or cars or anything like that. So that's a thing he sees. And then he sees that his he looks at his watch. He sees he's late for his own engagement. This is this is something that Peter he's gonna engage. He's gonna ask Mary Jane to marry him that night. So this the engagement happens in the beginning of the movie instead of the end of near the end of the middle of the movie for Spider-Man three. And I. I I want it to happen right away. So it's so you see that Peter and Mary Jane are doing pretty good. There's no ifs, ands, or buts of whether they're going to get engaged or not. I just want them to get. I want them to get engaged right off the bat, so that way they can establish the movie of the whole Mary Jane versus Peter Parker versus Spider Man thing, and that's going to happen throughout the entire movie. So he's late to his own engagement, of course, because it's it's Spider Man. He might stop along the way to stop somebody, but he gets to the engagement. He asks Mary Jane to marry him. They get married. So. Between now and the, the, uh, the, this, I'm thinking this movie is going to be like two hours and 15 minutes or two hours and 30 minutes. I think I'm going towards the shorter of ladder because most of the action, it's going to be like a build-up type Spider-Man movie. Most of the action is going to happen towards the, like it's going to be, d- 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 45 minutes is like the climax, I'm thinking. But that's just because of the way I'm structuring this movie. So there's going to be some... Is he, mm-hmm. he going to deal with all the villains like around the same time, or is it going to be sporadic? I'm or actually going to... like one I'm, giant climax? I'm going to get to it. So we're going to show some filler of MJ being kind of selfish about him being Spider-Man. It's going to take a toll. And it's, it's, I want her to be kind of selfish, because I, I kind of want to see it. I mean, if, if your significant other was a superhero, it would take a toll on how much time she's spending saving people and how much time she's spending with you. It's a person you love. And it, I mean, time spent together, time spent apart, it's an, it's an important part of any relationship. So show some filler of MJ and Spider-Man and Peter Parker and them, like that triangle. Show some rockiness already. Show some rockiness trying to plan a wedding with Spider-Man. Show some of that. Show some um, J. Jonah Jameson being the it's mayor. It's like a romantic comedy at that point. It's like, oh, Peter. He shows up in a <laughs> Spider-Man outfit for like a fitting. He kind of like they kind of do play it off like that, and they well, I guess in the beginning they're kind of happy in a little bit, but she's still kind of you can still kind of see it because I just I just watched Spider Man three like uh, last week I believe was it last week or two weeks ago when I was texting you guys? I think it was last week. Yeah, but um, the, you, I think in the beginning they're happy go lucky, so I I can see you want to establish it right away. So thank you for that reprieve. My mouth is getting really dry. So yeah, you don't have to talk that fast. <laughs> so I want to establish that Harry Osborn is playing two sides. He wants to kill Spider-Man, but he's portraying himself as a good friend of Peter. Like he's 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 over the fact that he he want like I want it to seem like he's kind of over the fact that Peter killed his dad. I want him to I want him to bury that hatchet somehow so it could be Peter chooses Harry as his best man for the wedding. So you have that there because I want I want Harry to be kind of pulling the strings in this movie. 
I want him to like think like, yeah, man, I, I went to counseling and I've got over it. My dad did some bad things and you, you know, it wasn't you that really killed him. It wasn't so by you, your hand. Are you also teasing the hobgoblin there with his counseling? I mean, it could for the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a nice catch. But so you have all this mess. I want to see J. Joma Jameson as the mayor trying to exhibit like, rules of the uh, city that if you see spider-man you have to shoot him on site and stuff like that uh, i want it, there needs to be a presence that this spider-man's a menace and of course J. Jonah jameson i want him he's got to be like like he was elected almost to be like the savior of new york city J. Jonah jameson like he's gonna like when he was elected he's like i'm gonna make sure that nothing bad happens to this city and spider-man he might be great sometimes, but he'll show, he'll show his true colors. And then... Yeah, and he could be like, I know the real news because I made it. So the week before the wedding is when basically it's the build-up to the climax and then the climax. So it's going to be the week from hell. And I'm basing this off of the series, The Gauntlet, in the Amazing Spider-Man series. And it's basically what happens is he gets... He's getting terrorized by a different villain almost every single day. And this is going to happen the, day be- the week before the wedding. So I don't know the specifics, but I just know that every uh, you got Electro, Craven, um, Scorpion, Mysterio, and Rhino, and they're each going to take a day of the week. Green Goblin's—he's not going to be a part of it. It's going to be the other five. Right? We want Harry in the background until the end of the movie. So they're gonna—they're each going to do different things. Like Cra- Craven might pull do some traps. Um, Scorpion might just do some banks. Rhino might just make a mess. And Mysterio is going to be in the background also. So it, when it looks like that Spider-Man has taken care of these guys, when he's like, he's webbed them up and stuff, and he's waiting for the cops to come, Mysterio is going to do some things where it makes it look like the cops are coming, but it's really just an illusion, and Spider-Man falls for it. So it looks like they got caught, but it really is just making Spider-Man have like a sense of accomplishment, but it's, it, it's illusory. Everything's fake. And like whenever, whenever people are seeing it on live TV, it looks like Spider-Man's trashing the place instead of saving the place. So that's the whole point of Mysterio in this movie is to make the public outlook of Spider-Man look bad. And so that's where New York is going to turn on Spider-Man because of what's happening with the live feed from Mysterio. Mysterio is going to be a mastermind changing that stuff live. So this it's going to. Uh, this is very elaborate. I just want you to know that. So it's going to make it, it's going to have New York's like, hey, what's Spider-Man doing? He's kind of doing bad stuff. So he's, Peter's having a terrible week. It's starting to, he- it's starting to weigh heavily on him. And the only thing that's keeping him strong is this wedding. Like being able to, be, to marry his best friend, his love, Mary Jane. So as, you know, Mary Jane's even like, why are you doing all this bad stuff? I'm, he's like, it's, I swear it's not me. It's. How it looks on TV is not how it's portrayed. It, that could be something that they, they go heavily in or not. I just, it needs to be like the worst week ever of Peter's life before the wedding. So the wedding happens, everything, everything actually goes according to plan for the wedding. Like how some, in real life, some people say two out of three things or something will ha- bad happen at a wedding. You just got to go with the flow. For this wedding in this movie, this has got to be the most perfect wedding. And I'm actually going to bring back the dance scene from Spider-Man 3 and put it in, in this <laughs> wedding part. Oh, so, my God. So Peter is so happy that he actually does the dance from Spider-Man 3. 
at this at his wedding for Mary Jane instead of against Mary Jane in Spider Man Three. Yeah, so it's it's more romantic in this one. Yeah. <laughs> now and now then, um, it's not going to be like the wedding from Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, is it? Well, I was go- I was about to say that the Sinister Sinister Six is going to crash the wedding. Okay. This is the climax. Spider Man is going to get his ass kicked. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Harry, okay. Are they actually going to get married, or is it going to be interrupted? Oh, oh, I, I forgot to say the ceremony goes through without a hitch. They get oh, married. Reception. Yeah, it's during the reception, like right, right after the dance. Everything is happy. There's, a, you get a look from Mary Jane that says, you know, I kind of understand. The, these are the good parts of life, and maybe I can share you. She, she gets, she, you know, maybe she's been a little bit too hard on Peter. You know, he. She knows that it's his responsibility to save New York and stuff like that. And then right when that happens, like a good heartfelt moment, you're going to have Harry Osborne have a signal or something like that. And you're going to have you're going to have the Sinister Six trash the wedding and they kick his butt because he wasn't prepared. He didn't. He I mean, he had I'm not going to lie. He had his suit, his Spider-Man suit underneath his tux because that would be the Peter Parker thing to do. But. He's gonna get his he's gonna get his butt whooped, and I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be like Spider-Man three when he gets his butt whooped by Sandman and Venom. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty brutal. Like parts of his mask is gonna be ripped off. He's gonna be he's gonna be torn up. He's got six villains. He's gonna be that are gonna take him to town in this pretty big venue. So what eventually happens is, um, Mary Jane gets away from the the fray somehow. Green Goblin. Uh, Harry Osborn takes Aunt May hostage. Aunt May is, I've, I've forgot to mention Aunt May is still in this movie and she's still alive and kicking and awesome. So she, she drops some knowledge on Harry, I mean on Peter throughout the movie, like some awesome stuff about, like that line in Spider-Man 3 that says, um, the responsibility, your wife is now your responsibility or something like that. Mario, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she it's, has this uh, whole big, uh, she goes in this whole big speech because he goes to see her to talk to her about uh, wanting to marry MJ and and uh, how he can't afford a ring and stuff, and then she gives him uh the ring that Uncle Ben gave her gave her and stuff. It, it's that's that's probably one of the best parts of that whole the whole movie. And that that's one of the lines that stayed with me is that sometimes you know you do have a responsibility to what the things that you have great fa- power for, but you do have a responsibility to your loved ones and your wife. And uh, Aunt May is going to drop some knowledge like that throughout the movie gonna have those halt halt front movies throughout the movie so harry osborne knowing aunt may and he he has the same mask as the green goblin in the first one because i don't i'm not a big fan of his mask in the spider-man 3 yeah i, I mean just, I, the coolest that part mask is yeah the, the uh willing to with that mask that was a great mask i like the mask personally That's what, i know a lot of people have been crapping on that lately i've seen online like the past couple of years but like i i I dig what they did. I mean, the, I thought it looked pretty neat for, you know, it looked cinematic and theatrical in a way. Um, it was very high tech. Yeah, it was really cool. And then uh, we, yeah, what they did with the new Goblin's mask was uh, a little weird, but his uh, glider surfboard thing was pretty dope. It was dope, what but they, not as cool as uh, the regular the glider. Goblin. Yeah. What did Harry look like in Spider-Man 3 when he was the Goblin in the beginning? I don't remember. Um, he kind of has like that visor on his head. He kind of looks like he's a futuristic surfboarder in the air. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. I, I remember it looking ridiculous. So throughout the entire movie, I want to 
have like a thing of that Spider-Man is he's a little bit more high tech than usual and he leaves his high tech things at the house where him and Mary Jane live. He he's been making more gadgets and stuff. That I I want that to establish that to show that Peter is smart and uh that he's been doing this. And so Mary Jane leaves the scene, rips off her dress and reveals a a suit that she's made and it looks like a Spider-Woman suit. Now this is the oh suit. Oh my god, you lost me. Are you for real? You you lost me. Okay, All that's right, fine. Continue. That's fine. Because one of my new favorite comics right now is Renew Your Vows, and it has Mary Jane as a she's working tandem with Spider Man. So she's wearing this white suit that matches her her wedding dress. Like the sleeves are white and the legs are white, but it's like a red and black uh, torso. So is she like Spider Gwen? No, she's uh well her name in uh, Renew Your Vows is like Spinneret or something like that. Oh, but it's okay. really. It's, and what she's wearing is she's wearing the device that Peter was working on in the beginning of the movie, the transfers energy device. And what happens is it transfers the energy from Spider-Man to her. So she actually gets a part of Spider-Man's powers. And that's how it is in the comics. Like she's tapping into his powers. So she saves Aunt May from uh, Green Goblin. It's, so it's, is uh, that weaken? It's like Peter? a percentage of, so it does weaken him a little bit. But now there's, there's two Spider-Men and a Spider-Woman. Well, there's one Spider-Man and a Spider-Woman now in the fray. So Mary Jane saves Aunt May from Harry Osborn, Green Goblin. And everyone is just riveted on this new newcomer. It's, I mean, Harry can see that it's Mary Jane, and he, he kind of still has a thing for Mary Jane, and he doesn't want to hurt her, so he's, he's almost in a state of shock. So what happens is Spider-Man uses that state of shock, Mary Jane uses that state of shock, and they wipe the floor with the Sinister Six. This this is something that I I, I personally liked this a lot. Is so it because the uh, it's because of the Roman like the the two characters in love working together? It's it's that and also that I think Mary Jane's going to be of the mind that if you can't beat him, join him, and that's how she kind of is in the comic book. Like sometimes Mary Jane doesn't get her way, and so she she joins him. Like she'll I'll say, tell you. I, I really like the way she looks in that comic, but I, uh, I'll let you finish. But. Yeah. And um, so they, uh, they wipe the floor with the Sinister Six. Harry Osborn's the last one there. Um, Peter, ha- Peter still has remorse for him because that's just who he is. I mean, he's angry that he almost killed Aunt May, but he's, he's, he's Peter Parker still, and he still has remorse. That makes his character great. So, like, what happens is they get distracted by the uh, New York Police Department showing up in helicopters and SWAT vehicles and everything, the entire uh, New York Police and all the SWAT. Because J. Jonah Jameson was at the wedding, of course, so you know that all the, all the police department's there. So Goblin gets away, but he's pretty battered. MJ says some things of, you know, I, I know how this feels now. It's this power, it's incredible. And, she, and Peter says something like, uh, don't let it go to your head or stuff like that. Just some banter between the two, just to see that, just to show that, you know, Mary Jane understands now. She, she fully understands and she wants to do this with Peter now. So it's, so the end of the movie, before uh, all the cops and stuff, but you see them in the distance, the helicopters, they, um, he says like, uh, are you ready for the honeymoon? And they, they get away. That's, and they go into hiding now because um, 
the whole I scene. Get, yeah, I guess they would see Mary Jane come out of her wedding dress and become a superhero, unless she goes behind stage to do it or something. It could be either or. But I, and I also want to do something involving Peter, uh, Peter losing his identity. Like maybe Harry all along had a video of Peter unmasking himself, and he plays it to uh, the screens, or Mysterio could have had a thing of him. So at the end of the movie, like when everyone's beaten and stuff, Mysterio, Mysterio presses something, or it happens when he doesn't, he doesn't um, when he doesn't um, log in or check in with something, like they release a video to the web that, show, that unmasks Peter Parker. And that could be the, the end, end, like an end credit scene, or the actual end of the movie, to bleed into the fourth movie, which is I'm actually going to do the clone saga for the fourth movie. But I know a lot of people don't like that. But I, I'm actually in, intrigued about the clone saga where you clone Peter Parker. So that's your pitch or to fix. To fix Spider-Man 3 is... To fix Spider-Man 3, but you're well, also it, pitching a new Spider-Man it, 3. It's basically an entirely new Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I did. I did. I, but, uh, I but you to did fix fun. it. I mean, that's fine. Um, I think this movie could work. I think it would. It would make. I during. I forgot to say that during throughout the movie, MJ. When you see at the end of Spider Man Two, MJ kind of finds her backbone. She's not as timid anymore because she 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 gets rid of John, uh, the astronaut for Peter Parker, and I think that's a real good character growth for her. And she's gonna. She's like she knows what she wants now. She's not timid. She knows what she wants. She she and she wants Peter. So she's going to be kind of more brave and confident in this movie. And it's going to show at the end when she, she's like, you know what? My husband's being beat up on, and I see it every day on the news, and I can't take it anymore, and I want to, and I, I want to do something about it type of thing. Mario, how do you feel about that? How do I feel about his pitch? Um, I, I actually, actually like the idea of, um, I think the most the best part to me that intrigued me the most was him battling the Sinister Six to get to uh, Harry, to get to Green Goblin, Harry. And um, I think that's cool because it kind of builds it up like a final boss. Uh, I, I kind of like that you let the wedding be fun and let, you kind of took away the, the darkness of it, and for a moment, you gave us uh, a fun time. Because, you know, in life, the, you could have, like, a crappy few weeks, and then you have that one day where you're like, man, I had fun. And then, you know, you could go back to having a crappy week again. But I, I, I like how you did that. Um, I, don't, I, I guess I could see maybe, like, them, them going to jail after he fights all of them or something, and then them getting released but you said Mysterio kind of tricks him so really they could just they, they could be them swinging off in the distance and the cops going after them could be the end of the movie I'm not really sure how to end it like that I, I think it's them getting away is this a three hour movie no nah, it's gonna be like two hours thirty minutes okay I, I'll say my only hesitations are you have a lot of New villains, yeah, and no I know. introductions to them. That's that's the thing. If you, it's gonna be hard to do Sinister Six no matter what. So I just well, Sony's I'll, doing it. I mean that's fine, but I I think the best way to do it is just to start them at the beginning of the movie, let them run wild and before the wedding, and then run them, let them run wild at the wedding, 
I mean, also, I wanted to see him and Mary Jane to get together because I don't think Tom Holland's ever going to get with Mary Jane. So we're probably never going to see it on the theaters. So I was like, you know what? This is how we're going to see it on the theaters. I'm going to fix Spider-Man 3. Do you know you could have used the lizard because they teased the lizard in the second one? Yeah, but Kurt Connors. You don't like that guy? I do like like that guy. I like that guy a lot. uh, The actor? Yeah. I I thought about using him too, but I wasn't really a... I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the lizard. And Neither am I. He's kind of a one-note guy. Like he, 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 he doesn't do a whole lot other than you know, become the lizard. I could have him as the laboratory assistant, or I mean, that laboratory um, major or whatever, lab, laboratory head that Peter's working at. Like he's working with him, doing lab stuff. He could have a nice cameo. For my first, like when I was doing a rough draft at Peter's wedding, I wanted Logan and uh, Johnny Storm, Chris Evans, to be there. Because they're pretty cl- tight in the comics, but it wouldn't, it really wouldn't make any sense of them being there. I thought it would be a nice cameo. <laughs> oh, hey, Peter. Congrats, man. <laughs> so, uh, Chris Hawks are a Spider Man guy, so that's why, you know. You know. Okay, so who's next here? Chris Hawk, your host. Uh, yeah, Chris Hawk pick. I think John Canucky always goes second. All right, that's fine. So I got two pitches for you. I got my fake pitch, <laughs> as usual. So my fake pitch, uh, we're going to open on a scene of Spider-Man swinging around New York. Now, this is done in uh, very bad 2007 CG. Oh, man. So yeah, I'm talking like this looks like a video game. And that's because it pans out, and it's actually a video game, and it's Miles Morales playing a video game of himself. And that's the beginning of my movie. All right, that's a great. That's a. I. I. I like it. I like. I like where you're going. I, um, <laughs> that's, my, that's my on the spot fake pitch. The Spider-Man oh. Three CGI actually wasn't that bad, but uh, you know, I. I. I can see what you're trying to do there. You know, trying oh, they to. They took tease. a step backward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get don't know it. why. The budget. But they did. They, they, yeah. I get it. To, I mean, to overhaul the series completely and introduce Miles Morales as the real Spider-Man, they had to cut some. You know, something out of the budget. But uh, no, for my real pitch, um, so what I decided to do is not, uh, well, I, I mean, it's basically a major plot overhaul. I remove Venom entirely. Good. I do keep Sandman. Good. Uh, not as a main villain. He's actually a side character. I'll explain how he fits in very briefly because he's, he's not important at all. But I kept him because I liked the character and the guy that played him wasn't bad. So, um. I think Venom should uh, should be told as his own story, you know, not with a bunch of other compilations. And I think uh, that Chris Hawk had it right, where Harry Osborn should be the villain here. However, I don't want to introduce six other villains. <laughs> so, so you're uh, introducing five. Uh, I'm introducing seven. Oh no, so I I want to I want a tale of two friends. Okay, so uh, in the second movie, we know that you know James Franco, Harry Osborn learns that Peter Parker is um, Spider Man. Which I wish that I could change that and him not know, but I can't. So he does. Um, so what I chose to do, and it's funny that you already brought this up once. Um, I'm going to keep the beginning of the movie where uh, Peter is thinking about proposing to Mary Jane. I will have him do it in the yes. beginning of the movie. That's how it's going to open. Yes! 
And then, like the beginning of the movie, I want James Franco, Green Goblin, to uh, engage in Spider-Man in, like, an early, you know, action-packed scene. However, I don't want him to get amnesia, because that's just ridiculous. It's just a cop-out. That happened? Yeah, he, um, he, fall- he, he falls, and he, he, like, loses his... Me- he takes him to the hospital, and loses his memory, and... And Mary Jane's like, oh my god, you guys are talking again. That's so sweet, or or whatever. And you know what's weird, yeah, John, is I actually also like I remember I was texting you guys. I was like, oh, this is so dumb. But like <laughs> later in the movie, like for what they did, it made sense. Like if you think about it, well, it's because it's, that's all they could do yeah. was to get them to stop remembering. It, it like, almost is a retcon in itself of making people have amnesia. That's kind of a retcon too. What's also weird is they make him remember, and then they get in that fight where he almost kills him, and um, and then he h- helps him at the end. It's like, what just happened? <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll get how I do this. So the movie's obviously beginning with the proposal. We'll get some uh, Peter Mary Jane stuff. I want the Sandman to come in very early as just a side character that Spider-Man takes down rather easily. I do want the fight to be quick, but uh, almost like uh, animated series Hydro fight, like Sandman's using sand and like moving around sandwise, um, not just like a guy that you know disappears into sand. Uh, but I, I want Spider-Man to beat him and then you know send him back to where he came from, not mysteriously kill him, disintegrate. I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't know if they ever tell you, do they, Mario? About what? What happens to Sandman? He just kind of blows away, right? Yeah, he kind of yeah. just flies away at the end because uh, Peter forgives him for what happened. and uh, It's like he's a ghost. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know how the sand flies, uh, but, you know, it, I mean, whatever. I mean, I bet you it's like he suspends his consciousness a little bit, but not too much so that each grain becomes a, uh, like a separate particle. And then he can, it's all about density. So I think he can, he can make the, himself dense and make himself less dense. And fly so in the wind? Can, yeah, to fly in the wind. I don't think he can control where he goes, but I think he can travel far distances just by uh, his density. That's what it's all about. I, I guess. I, I mean, that sounds uh, like yeah, you're not, Peter Parker. I'm not quite sure what he does, but uh, that's what I want him to do. I just want him to be that side character that you know Spider-Man dispatches pretty easily because at this point he's established. He has uh, these supernatural villains he's dealing with. Um. But then I, w- I want to focus on Harry and his uh, descent into madness because he, he's not going to get amnesia. He's going to know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And I do want him to get a psychiatrist. I want him, I want him to have one. Uh-oh. Now, the psychiatrist is not the Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a common misconception. He's another version of the Green Goblin. So what's going to happen is the psychiatrist is actually uh, hypnotizes Harry Osborn into forgetting, you know, he was the Green Goblin and that he needs this vengeance. That's how he gets rid of it. So Harry Osborn's completely okay. But what this guy does is take over the identity of the Green Goblin. For this short period of time, he's, he's the Green Goblin because for whatever, for whatever reason, and it's not explained initially, I'll, I'll get to it later, on how he knows that Harry has the, the Goblin technology. You could be like, when under hypnosis, you could tell things that you usually wouldn't tell. You you can. That's not what happens here. I I have a a better a better outcome, I think. Uh, but yeah. So the guy's name is uh, Bart Hamilton. He will. Uh, that's the psychiatrist who becomes the Green Goblin. So, um, I want him played by um a guy, um uh, by the name of 
Julian Sands. He played uh, Jor-El in Smallville, Morrow, if you uh, remember that guy. He's uh, British. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's uh, mainly a TV actor. He does a few movies, but uh, he has like an iconic voice, and he kind of fits a low-budget villain that's going to have to hold the movie for a while. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I want to happen. Uh, He takes over the identity of the goblin. Um, Peter does get married in this movie to Mary Jane. Um, A lot of people like that that happened, but Marvel will never officially do it in the comics again. They've said that. They'll only do it in, like, what-if scenarios or, like, the Renew Your Vows. They did it strictly to appease people, but Mm -hmm. they'll never do it officially. They've said that. So I I think if Sony, or not Sony, um, Sam Raimi would have capitalized on it at this point in time, you know, he could have appeased a lot of people Mm -hmm. because Marvel was strictly against it. So they were like, it's never going to happen. And people really wanted that. That's what they wanted. So it could have been, you know, a big seller. Um... So what I want, I want the, uh, the psychiatrist to be uh, kind of a throwback to the purple-green uh, goblin that we got, you know, classic. Because uh, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to use all the technology. He's mainly in it for, like, the bombs and stuff. And you're not really sure what his motivation is as he's the goblin. Um, but he's going he's gonna to crash, you know, he's going to crash Peter Parker's reception. Because it wouldn't be a Spider-Man reception if a villain didn't crash it. Just not six of them at this point. <laughs> So, uh, Chris Hawk and I have a a few different, or a few of the same, uh, pitch items here, which is kind of, kind of funny, but. But seven different (laughs) green goblins. (laughs) Uh, so ultimately what I want to happen is this final confrontation with, um, the green goblin. My movie's not going to be long. I don't want it to push two and a half hours. Uh, I think you can do a lot with, uh, James Franco, this new goblin. Peter Parker and Mary Jane, and easily do like just under two hours or two hours, and make it worthwhile. But the uh, the culmination of the movie is Peter Parker's going to find out like after he defeats this goblin, um, and it, too with he'll defeat the goblin with the help of Harry Osborn, who will come out of hypnosis, and that's actually how it happens in the comics, is that Harry Osborn helps him defeat this goblin because he's you know he's finally snaps out of it for whatever reason triggers it. And then they kind of reconcile, but at the same time, it's like, I can't ever forgive you for what you did, but I'm not going to, you know, hunt you down for the rest of your life kind of thing. But uh, ultimately, what I want to uh, lead to with the next movie is the, um, where am I going with this? I got sidetracked. Oh, okay. So an important part of the uh, the end of the movie is Harry Osborn is going to... Uh, we're gonna, he's going to be seen, like, diversifying Oscorp. You know, he wants to uh, invest in other areas. And he's going to invest in um, a fashion line. And <laughs> it's specifically because uh, Mary Jane now works for them. Uh, and it's a man by the name of Roderick uh, Kingsley, mm-hmm. which is uh, the actual Hobgoblin. And he will be the fuel for the next movie as the main character. But uh, there's going to be subtle hints and a uh, large clue at the end of who is actually fueling the psychiatrist and ultimately has a large investment in Roderick Kingsley. And that's Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, who at this point in time can still be played by Michael Clark Duncan because he's not uh, deceased and he was the best Kingpin there ever will be. He was was a fantastic Kingpin. Like, like people can crap on Daredevil all they want. I mean, I, I like that movie. But 
he was an awesome kingpin. I, I liked him. I like him way better than the Daredevil um, Netflix series kingpin. He, he was he was fantastic, and that's why I think he could easily do it in the second movie as like the second character yeah. who ultimately has to help Spider Man defeat the Hobgoblin because he loses control of the Hobgoblin. But that's Spider-Man 4, and we're not pitching that right now, but that's my sequel. That's how I set that up. Uh, but that's, that's the whole pitch. I think it needs to focus on Harry and Peter and uh, their dynamic, but ultimately with Harry not being the villain. But then they can never reconcile that between each other. Goblins. You like goblins. the goblins, John? Well, they're the easiest villains to do Absolutely. that makes sense. They kind of chain off of each other. Mm-hmm. And you can always throw in, like, you know, the Shocker or some minor villain in there to tease something later on set up, like a Sinister Six movie with a bunch of lesser villains come together. Or a Sinister Six of Goblins. Ah, that's impossible. When did uh, Miles Morales actually come into, come into, or was created? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Because that could have, like, if they would have done more and wanted to stop with Tobey Maguire, they could have led into that. That would have been unique. I, I think they could have. I mean, I don't know when the what the whole Ultimate Universe came out. So, that's your pitch, John. Yeah, that's what I got. John, is Aunt May in your movie? Of course she is, yes. Okay. Only briefly. Not, not a, whole, a whole lot. Okay. Um, she was a really good Aunt May, but I don't want her to, you know, be in the movie over and over again. She's got to be in the movie, though, because you have the whole Harry, or Harry, uh, Peter MJ wedding, so. She'll have a line in there, I wish, I wish your Uncle Ben was here. <laughs> so, so kind of like John's, my Spider-Man 3 uh, fix-it is pretty much a, a fix, like, I'm going to keep a lot of aspects I like because I, I just recently watched Spider-Man 3 and it's kind of fueled uh, me to actually get really dive really into what I liked about the movie and what I didn't like and I there was a lot of aspects I really did enjoy and you can tell with the whole Venom thing uh, when you're watching it it just seemed like Sam Raimi didn't really care because it, it I mean the whole tell uh bell tower thing if you watch old uh 90s animated uh spider-man there's an episode you know where he does where he is the symbiote spider-man that's that whole scene is actually in the cartoon where he, yeah, it's like shot for shot almost. yeah almost the same um it's which funny, is pretty that's neat how, that's how it was in the comic book too the bell tower really mm-hmm. well, i mean that's really cool and the way it drips down and gets on toper grace it, but for some reason, I'm not a big fan of Symbiote Spider-Man, and I think that's where it loses me, but I, I understand that's how you got to have to connect it to Venom, almost, basically. Uh, but So I'm taking out Venom entirely, just like uh, John did. Um, but I'm going to uh, name off the actors I'm going to put in my movie. I was thinking of like, you know, when I was looking back at actors who were coming up around then, and I understand why Tober Grace was in the movie. They were coming off that 70s show high, kind of, and, you know, they wanted someone who was familiar, I guess, but let's be honest, Tober. I don't think it was, I don't think it was bad. No, he's not. But they show us, they show his face yeah, a he's, lot. Yeah, I don't think. Who's that? Tober Grace. 
Yeah. He's just not... Honestly, t- um, Eddie Brock should be an, a big, imposing figure. That's why he, Venom yeah. is kind of big and imposing. And I think what they did, too, is they played Topher Grace kind of like a silly character, so it didn't come off well. Because there's some interactions that I'm going to keep in my movie between um, a character who um, is a rival photographer and Peter, because I thought those parts were kind of funny. Because uh, he was talking about how he climbed a flagpole to take a picture, a shot, and Topher Grace like, yeah, well, this is how the real boy, this is how the real men do it. You don't flag climb <laughs> flagpoles or whatever. It's kind of funny. Um, but I was thinking like maybe Bradley Cooper, but because because he was kind of coming up around that time, and the only movie he was in that year was The Comebacks, which is that parody football movie. But but then I thought, you know, he's kind of he doesn't he wasn't really a thing then, and to go off of the whole, you know, maybe a face that people would recognize Topher for Grace thing, I went with the Lex Luthor from Smallville, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Ooh. As oh, you also have a Smallville. Yes, cast. I do. As a uh, Daily Bugle <laughs> photographer, unnamed, to uh, bring comedy tension with Peter, but but also try to, uh, but also who can probably portray like sinister like undertones. Uh, um. Obviously, we have to recast Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, um, James Franco as Harry Osborn will make an appearance. And just like you guys, Harry, as the new Goblin, is going to be my main villain. Or I'm going to keep him as the new Goblin because I like that he made advance. I mean, regardless, it's not as cool like we discussed as the Green Goblin from the first movie. I do like how he made improvements on it and he was trying to do something different in the new snowboard jank was kind of neat um so you're telling me he doesn't get amnesia hold on uh i'll get there i found um i'm going to recast gwen stacy uh gwen stacy will also be in this movie um i was thinking of somebody who wasn't so over the top like um what what's her name del bryce howard or whatever her name bryce Bryce dallas Dallas howard she was way over the top i didn't think she was I didn't think it was that bad, but I haven't watched the movie so recently. Um, I would I would go for maybe like a Carrie Mulligan or a Michelle Williams, maybe uh even Rachel McAdams for Gwen Stacy. They're kinda old. Not at this time. They're they're around the Not same old, but I they're around the same age frame and they kinda have the baby face thing going on like Tobey Maguire, so hmm. so whatever. Chris Hawkins, this is ten years yeah, ago. This is ten years ago. Uh J. Jonas Jameson, you know, uh, J.K. Simmons. Uh, and the Sandman will also be the other villain in the movie. Um, he's, go- he's going to pretty much be the same type of role almost. Uh, but you know what? John Cena is the Sandman. So Good. He, you know, John Cena was coming up. He was champion. You know, he's getting real popular. You know, they thought they cast him as uh, Sandman. And there's going to be a villain tease at the end, just like uh, John Kanuki. Um, so basically, I'm keeping the whole first act like John did. I'm keeping the lightheartedness in the first part, leading up to the emotional distraught in the second act that builds towards that vengeful yet a redeemed clim- or conclusion in the climax um, at the end of the movie. And, uh, but the, the, the whole first act is basically going to be spot on the same. Um, I'm keep 
Peter is looking for a ring. You know, he goes to the play. Uh, you get to see the play. You see Peter uh, see Harry outside of the play, and he tries to reconnect with him, you know, and Harry's stating. But Harry's going to actually look at him, and he's going to say something, and he's going to say, you're going to get what's coming. And, uh, you know, MJ and Peter on the web in the park, I, I really like that scene, them in the park. It's a good scene. Um, I'm going to have that come back. Uh, and I'm not going to have the whole Venom uh, meteor landing next to them. I'm actually going to um, take a, a the similar scene and move it towards the end. But uh, we'll get there. Uh, Peter, I'm going to keep Peter talking to Aunt May about marrying MJ like Chris Hawk did, you know, the whole lecture, because it is a really, um, it, it's a really good dialogue. And it's really, um, it just seems so meaningful. Harry, it's going to lead right into the fight again between uh, Peter and the new goblin. And, you know, it's going to pretty much be the same fight because I pretty much, I liked that, that aspect. I liked that fight. I like that aspect of the movie. And Harry will lose his memory. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm definitely restructuring the, <laughs> restructuring the second and third acts to better fit with only two villains. So, Mary Jane struggling with her theater career. I'm keeping that. Peter being selfish in a way and not, under, try, not really understanding MJ until it's too late. Keeping that. Uh, I would keep that they're having issues and that Peter as Spider-Man is pushing her away. I would kind of have uh, Gwen Stacy um, more as a someone who he's building a relationship with. So Peter's becoming it. Peter with her a womanizer. Not really. You not really. Son of they're, a they're friends, bitch. but it, it's become it, it's almost to the point where she can be a potential alternative partner to him while uh, him and MJ's relationship is falling apart. So this brings me to Gwen Stacy and Peter and how I'm going to build this. Um, I'm keeping the, the, the scene where she's in the classroom and um, she answers the question and she looks back at Peter and Peter gives her like the thumbs up or the nod or whatever he does. Um, <laughs> then I want to kind of want them to hang out after class where uh, as friends, and obviously, you know, she's talking and saying somehow, like, she's thankful that he helped her out, and uh, I want to take away her modeling thing. That was goofy, how you meet, uh, what's his name, Topher Grace's uh, Eddie Brock with the modeling thing. Um, her being saved at that part I thought was a little weird. I I'm going to keep her being saved, but I'm thinking of gonna restructuring it, maybe, like, she's meeting her dad. The police chief for lunch and uh that whole i'm gonna keep the whole crane scene and maybe something happens where uh it's you know the crane malfunctions and she and debris and debris falling because it's smashing into stuff and uh you know her, da her dad calls it in so people start arriving and uh she tr she tries to save uh, maybe she sw she saves a little kid. You see that, so she kind of gets in the way, and then you see Spider Man come out of nowhere and save her. And almost in the same way, sense, he kind of saves the uh, the the guy in the crane, and he stops it. And then in the distance, you're gonna show the new Goblin watching, and it's almost like he caused it on purpose, showing that he didn't really lose his memory. And then I'm also going to introduce. Um, 
Michael Rusburn's character, you know, he's taking pictures and stuff. He's basically, you know, he's he, he zooms in, um, taking you zoom zoom in on him taking shots of the whole thing from a distance and and stuff like that. Uh, let me see what else I uh, added here in my notes. You guys have any questions so far? Do you are you still have the key ceremony? The uh, oh yeah 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 I still have that actually. Okay. Um, I'm gonna get to. Is that he gonna in a kiss? Second. Is he still gonna kiss Gwen Stacy? Um, no, I I kind of took that away. Uh, is he dancing? He is dancing, but you'll see why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep him dancing. <laughs> uh, Peter and um the photographer Michael uh Rosebum or however you, the heck you say his name are um still battling for the bugle position. Uh. He, him being a, a a dick to Peter, I'm keeping, but it's it's gonna be a little more subtle in a way. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a scene where uh, they show the major announcement about Spider-Man getting the the celebration or the parade um, on TV, and uh, I'm also gonna show at the at the celebration um, Michael Rosebloom taking pictures as well. Um, keeping all the Sandman scenes, so when he flies into the celebration, you know, you know his particles break down, he densifies, whatever Chris Hawk said. Uh, he's going to accidentally cause damage and drag things with him, like cars and debris flying everywhere. So Spider-Man comes in and saves Gwen, and Harry kind of saves MJ, because I'm keeping the whole M- Harry showing up and them hanging out. Remember, you think he lost his memory, but you actually kind of know he didn't. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also keeping, you know, a really favorite uh, scene of mine. That's um, Spider-Man feeling really good that Spider-Man is getting a parade. So, you know, there's a whole dancing scene before this whole celebration. You know, that's staying where he's happy about, you know, Spider-Man being appreciated. And, uh, you know, it's going to be the whole dancing thing. And he's going to realize hmm. I don't have to buy a new suit when he comes out of the building. I, I'm going as Spider-Man. Uh, the new tool to push uh, MJ away at the dinner scene is wondering why he chose to save Gwen first before her. Um, and which causes her to leave when Peter can't explain himself or understand what uh, she's going through with her life. Um, Gwen's also going to be there again and sh- she's going to be there with her family this time. So you kind of show her family and. Uh, you know, she's going to walk over and greet herself to Peter and MJ, uh, just like in the uh, actual movie. And I'm going to keep the whole dinner scene because I actually love the stuff with Bruce Campbell. I thought it was hilarious. He's pretty great. Uh, and it's also kind of heartbreaking to see MJ and Peter kind of at it, at a uh, kind of, you know, have differences there and their relationship in a scramble. Because throughout two movies, you, you see him trying to get with her. Uh, Sandman becoming Sandman, keeping that whole plot line, like I said, uh, him stealing the money for his daughter and the Uncle Ben plot, uh, keeping Peter chasing down the Sandman and, uh, fighting after the parade, um, keeping that, uh, but I'm gonna add on to that, uh, man, I wrote this out of order here. Hold on here. That's part yeah. of the fix. Part of the fix. That order. So, so I guess I'll get back to that later. I was gonna kind of extend the fight. But um, Harry uh, regaining his memory and having the memory flashback montage, I'm, I'm going to keep that a bit. I mean, not really regaining his memory, but he's going to have the, the, 
the flash montage of his dad in his dad's office because you know he, he's kind of got the goblin uh, juice in him and uh he's going to reopen the lab and he's going to walk in and well, you're going to hear William Defoe say uh back to formula I'm going to put that line back in there back to formula. <laughs> um like moths to the flame. I'm keeping the idea of him Come destroying Peter emotionally, so using MJ to do so, capturing her, and using her to um, follow through with the rest of the plan, having lunch with Peter, and, you know, Peter still thinking he's old Harry, keeping that scene, and when she tells Peter he's the other man, and then, you know, when he walks away and looks back, you know, he turns his head and winks and disappears when the truck goes by. I'm keeping that. I thought I really liked that scene. Um, I'm going to show that Harry wants to find the Sandman, so he's kind of tracking him down to use him to put the final... So he's going to use the Sandman to try to kill Spider-Man because he physically can't kill his best friend. Uh, he's going to use the man who killed his uncle to be the man who helps him kill the guy who killed his dad. Uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um... We get into the final fight, you know, a handicap match, uh, which is funny because you know John Cena um, having Peter bring, <laughs> having Peter bring up Uncle Ben during the fight, and Sandman try to explain it wasn't his fault, you know, which causes some anger in the fight, and then finally doing so, which results in Sandman sacrificing himself to help Peter defeat Harry, and uh, maybe Harry will survive, or you know so he can be thrown in jail to come up in the next movie uh, that they could have done. Um, Peter saving MJ and then um, them having that moment afterwards on the web in the park again. But this time, you know, it's not so happy because she's going to basically break things off with Peter because she understands, um, you know, they can't be together. Uh, as they swing away, um, from the park when he brings her home uh you're gonna see in the distance a meteor fall down the exact same shot as in the uh in the first act of the of the actual movie it's gonna hit the ground panning over to where the meteor hit almost exact same shots as the scene um you're gonna see it crawl to you know like a like a scooter moped type thing or motorcycle you know so it's so it's cooler actually we'll do a motorcycle and then you're gonna see um, Michael Ro- uh, Rose Roseburn or Rosebum uh, get on the scooter and uh, or he took pictures of Peter and Mary Jane at the park you know kind of like he knows who Spider-Man is and he drives off on the motorcycle with the symbiote grabbing hold to the scooter as he drives off um, now Peter expresses at the end he's going to fly through the city and he's going to express that you know this is his gift. This whoa, whoa, whoa! What? Spider-Man doesn't fly. Well, he's gonna swing. You know what I mean? Okay, he's, he's flying now. <laughs> okay, he's a flying spider. Okay, it's scary. Uh, he got bit by Sandman. And he has sand power. Yeah, he can control his dense density. Dense, dense. Yeah, density. density. No, but he's gonna he's gonna swing through the city. He's gonna express that this is his like kind of like what he did at the end of the first one. You know, this is his gift. This is his curse. And then he's going to explain, you know, in the in the very first movie, in the beginning, that this is a story. And then he's going to say the exact same lines that Mary or Aunt May said to him in the uh, second movie about, 
um, there's a hero in all of us, and you know they line up to see the hero, and it makes people hold on for that much longer. And uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna show um, yeah, it's gonna sh- show him swinging through the city, and it's gonna end right there, kind of hopeful, but also kind of like maybe this is the end of the Spider-Man trilogy. You know, I don't know. That's that's my that's my uh, fix it for Spider-Man you, three. So, so you have a mo- you're gonna you pitched you pitched your Spider-Man three, and you also have a little bit to go to the next movie. Yes, if they want to, John. John, you have any questions? He's 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 gonna end it with uh, the the quote from Batman before Batman, where J. Jonah Jameson is saying it angrily, and he's like, "It's not the hero we need." <laughs> no, okay. I'm talking about the Spider-Man 2 quote when Aunt May's like, there's a hero in all of us. Um, no, I, okay. I know what you're talking about. I, uh, you know, I, I, see why, I see how you did it and why you did that. You watched it recently, so you have a, the best recollection of what happened. Um, I mean, I'm not saying even if I had watched it, I would keep most of the plot, but I mean, I see why you chose to keep what you chose to keep. I mean, I chose a lot of that to keep as well because I do remember, you know, liking it in certain aspects. And some of us don't want to add six villains to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think. Well, I actually, it's actually eight villains because jealousy from MJ is a villain and New York City is a villain. Okay, <laughs> it's eight villains. I think that's a whole lot more villains if the whole city's a villain. I, I just. Jet. So that means it's like what twelve million villains. I just think if you kind of build the relationship with him and Gwen, and kind of show that Mary Jane's being pushed away, you can kind of introduce um, what who people wanted originally was Gwen Stacy because I I remember that was a big issue, um, and then you can also, you know, you can complete the whole Uncle Ben thing by him forgiving Sandman, but you can also complete Sandman in the movie instead of him fly away. You know, he kind of sacrifices himself to save the, you know, the, the kid, he killed his uncle. So he, he kind of, that's his redemption. And then, you know, Harry, um, not wanting to kill Peter because he, you know, he physically can't. So he's trying to use the Sandman to do so. But then, you know, I also don't want to kill Harry off because that could potentially lead to him being in the next one if they were going to do an, another one. Because I remember they, there was rumors, right? They they were gonna do another one. They they had uh, planned four, five, and six actually. They had hired people to write him and everything. So you can also kind of. I I just, I don't know. I I just think that um this is I think my fix it is almost what. Uh. Sam Raimi probably wanted to do originally, but you know, with the whole studio wanting them to add, add Venom, we don't know if that's true or not. But that was the rumor that you know the studio kind of pushed for Venom, and um, I think I think we can all agree that Harry Osborn should have been the villain. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form, it just made sense. I mean, Oliver's kind of has a lot of aspects that are similar. Um, you know, besides the six villains and you know, you kind of setting up where we all kind of set up to where, you know, they could lead into more, um, but they can kind of end it on this note. Well, more so, John, you, you kind of set it up 
because they planned on doing more to do more. And I kind of... Yeah, I, I wanted it set, especially with Kingpin. I wanted Kingpin to be the overarching villain. And I kind of set it up where it could end here, but also could lead to more. But, um, I don't know, that's, that's, that's my pitch at, uh... You know what the saddest part is, though? What? Is, is that we'll, we'll never see any of these movies. We'll never, we'll never see Spider-Man 3 that's fixed. That's true. We'll never see what Sammy's true vision was for the third movie, unless he had, like, a cut that he made before the studio wanted interfered or, or said to interfere. But we'll, we'll never get the... Well, it depends on how much Tom Holland is Spider-Man, but we'll never get the kind of grown-up Spider-Man. Can I can I pitch something? Can I can I pitch something or state something that I yeah, pitched you're, after you're pitch Amazing it. Spider-Man Two? Oh yeah, go ahead, Mario. This is uh, this is pretty great. So after Amazing Spider-Man Two, I wanted to have three Spider-Men in a movie against like. The Spider-Verse, technically. So I wanted them to harness Electro's powers, somehow bring in Peter from another dimension, or, 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 yeah, another reality, which is going to be Tobey Maguire. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield were going to team together. And what's going to happen is um, Miles Morales was somehow going to play a part where it was going to tease to Miles Morales being the next Spider-Man. But um, you always see multiple villains, but you never see multiple Spider-Man. So I thought it would have been kind of neat to do something like that. But, you know, that's obviously not going to happen. And and Marvel could have obviously done that. They could have had three Spider-Man with Tom Harlan. Like, they could have, they could have, with the multiverse thing that they have going on, Battle World or whatever the hell they did. They could have easily added Gwen, Gwen, uh, Gwen Spider-Man. They could have easily done like the spider, the um, the British Spider Man. They could have, they could have done a whole lot just by like inter- since there's three different Spider Mans now, and you could you could have easily added Mar- uh, Miles. You could have easily had like a Gwen Stacy Spider Man, and, and then you could even have like a Mary Jane Spider Man. They could this they they would never ever film this type of movie no. because it's so crazy. Yeah, but I I, but I it, thought it was, I, it's a yeah. it's a great idea. It, that's obviously not going to happen either, but, um, you know, I, I just want to say Spider-Man 3, I, I do see a lot of its flaws in the movie, but I do like a lot of aspects of it, you know, just recently watching it. Um, so I, I don't think it's that bad. I like it as is, I, or I'm going to say it's okay as is. I, I like aspects of it, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, we, I, I just think... I don't know. I, I think we all had pretty good ideas how to fix it. I you know, I, I don't know. What the hell what else to add? John, do you have anything else to add? No, not really. I mean I think we all had similar yet different pitches. Which is I mean, it's kinda necessary, you know. Definitely. I think I think we all did pretty good. And I think we're gonna we're gonna call it right there. We're these are our pitches for these are our fixits for Spider-Man Three. How we wish it would have happened. How we would have done something differently. We are, this is meant to be just fun. So if anyone is taking this serious, then they can just. I mean, I don't know why you're taking it serious because it's not. We did this for fun. Are you hyped for Homecoming? Um, you guys? I am definitely hyped. I'm definitely hyped for Homecoming. I know you're hyped. First round draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you actually excited, oh, or are you trying to hold your excitement? Uh, I mean, 
I'm not excited, but I'm not hesitant either. I'll go see it, and I'll, you know, I'll judge it when I see it. Uh, Mario, are you uh, you excited? You know, I, I was excited with the very first trailer because I, I kind of saw that whole uh, mentor aspect, and I just I just recently watched some clips I sent to John today. I didn't want to send to you or the gr- our group text because I didn't want you to see it. But um, there are some scenes in there that actually make it look like it could have a nice pace to it, so I am a little excited now. But there, I did hear there's a... a, a you know, seeing the second trailer and then, you know, hearing that there could be a lot of Tony Stark kind of makes me hesitant. But, you know, I'm trying to stay as moderate as possible so that when I go into the movie, I experience it then, you know? You're not not biased type of thing. Well, thank you again for listening to Cinema 7's Pitch It or Fix It on Spider-Man 3. We have a bunch of other topical um pitch it or fixes that you can listen to we also have some take twos that we just released of rush hour and we also have some other things that we're going to tell you at the end of the podcast and you can find us on facebook at cinema 7 you can find us at twitter at cinema 7 underscore podcast you can find us on itunes you can find us on soundcloud you can find us on what other things uh, instagram tumblr it's, patreon yep instagram tumblr patreon you can find us on all those things at cinema 7 podcast I am your host, Chris Hawk. To my right, to me, was John Kenoki. Hey, Mario, remember to thank your mom. Uh, <laughs> my, yes, I want to thank my mom. Um, Stephanie Becker, thank you very much. Thank you, Mother. I, um, for is, she our, is she one of our first Patreon backers? She is, uh, she is the first right. Patreon to help donate and support the podcast. Um, I don't know where I would be without you, Mother. I came out of your womb. Uh, <laughs> thank you for supporting you know, the podcast. She's, She's the Patreon right now. She's the sole yeah. Patreon. That's a, that's a title that can't be taken away from her. She's the first sole Patreon. Patreon. And, uh, Patreon. and it's, uh, we want to thank you again from all of us at Cinema 7. We want to thank you for listening with us. We want to thank you for ex- uh, watching with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us. If you are listening to us on iTunes, to rate and review us. Subscribe. Definitely subscribe. And most importantly, thank you, Chris Poole, for being a part of the podcast. Check out Fireside Comics. Hey, this is John Kenoki with Cinema 7, a entertainment slash gaming slash all around media podcast. Um, Just coming at you to give you uh, a little bit about what we do and what we've got going on. Uh, We do a couple different episodes. Uh, We have an hour take episode. We discuss movie news, what movie we just saw, our opinion on it. Um, We've recently done Wonder Woman, The Mummy, uh, other things coming up. Uh, we do pitch it or fix it. We pitch a movie. For instance, we've done a Venom, Mace Windu movie. Or we fix a movie. We plan to fix movies that we thought could have been better or had potential. We do gaming episodes about the various gaming things going on in uh, that realm of media. 
we do Fire and Ice specials where uh, my co-hosts, Chris Hawk and Mari Bakari, uh, disagree on something. So they debate it out on air on podcast while I moderate and hopefully they don't kill each other in front of me. Uh, we do also do Overdue, um, those movies that everybody says you should have seen that we haven't seen. Um, if you haven't seen The Godfather, you should have seen it. So we're going to talk about it because we haven't seen it either, for instance. And we do take twos where we take a second look at movies that we initially didn't like or didn't think were that great. And we just see if maybe it got better. Maybe it holds up. Uh, we just, you know, see what's going on there. Uh, but you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Cinema 7, you can find us. Uh, Twitter, Cinema 7 Podcast underscore podcast you can uh, find us on patreon cinema 7 it's easily searchable we have plenty of reward tiers you donate us a dollar i'll mention your name on the podcast even if you don't listen to it uh we're on every other social media instagram facebook gmail google i google cast we're there so just uh, give us a listen maybe you like it maybe you don't subscribe to our newsletter or don't that's up to you. Uh, but thanks. Thanks for listening. Podcast.